0: You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, before I get into the sermon, I want to let you know that in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to open up your hymnals. And turn to hymn number 250, and so uh, I'd like you to start doing that. You don't have to worry. This is just the introduction, so you can ignore it while you look. Right. This week I started watching uh, a new series on Amazon Prime called Good Omens. Uh, it's pretty fantastic if you're a super nerd like me, and so you should watch it. Um, and what I'm no spoilers, promise. One of the the things that happens, throughout it, there's this relationship between an angel and a demon. And there's this repeat refrain between the two of them. The angel keeps defending God by talking about his ineffable plan. And he explains to us that ineffable means unexplainable or inscrutable. It means that we just can't figure it out no matter how much you look at it, no matter what questions you have, God has got a plan, and we really don't know exactly how it's going to play out. It's inscrutable. It's ineffable. And there's so much about God that is ineffable that we just can't explain in terms that really make sense to ourselves but there's also some things that are very much effable. Yeah, that's actually a word. I had to look it up. If there is something that's ineffable, there are also things that are effable. So the Trinity is both something that's ineffable and something that's effable. Let's turn to how our hymnal talks about that. I want you to turn to Hymn 250, Uh, We're looking at, Holy God, we praise thy name. Now, when you you glance through the way that this hymnal talks about the Trinity, this is all about the big Trinity. This is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. And do you notice how they explain it? They don't even try, (laughs) right? Right? This is is a whole list of people who are praising God. It's like, yay, the cherubim, the seraphim, the holy martyrs. And then you finally get to um, that last verse. um, Though in essence only one, undivided, God we claim thee, and adoring unbended knee, while we own the mystery. They're like, that's God. And that's about it, right? Our hymnal doesn't even try to explain it. In fact, the reason we have the Athanasian Creed is because there were lots of people who thought they could figure it out. And so the creed goes through and it it lists over and over and over all the different ways that God is not the way that the different explainers said. And it tells us how God exists like that. But even then, do we really understand it? even after saying all of those things about God, does it really make sense? We say the words, but we really don't know what they mean. We really can't grasp what's behind them. Let's turn the page. Let's take a look at hymn number 252. We all believe in one true God. How does this hymn explain the Trinity? We all believe in one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, ever-present help and need, praise by all the heavenly host, by whose mighty power alone all is made and wrought and done. The Father creates the world. And what about Jesus Christ, Son of God and Mary's Son, who descended from his throne and for us salvation won, by whose cross and death are we rescued from all misery? The Father sends the Son to die on the cross and rise from the dead for us. We all confess the Holy Ghost, who from both for error proceeds, who upholds and comforts us in all trials, fears, and needs. Blessed and holy, Trinity, praise forever be to thee. The Holy Spirit comes to us, comforts us, strengthens us, and leads us to eternal life in Christ. This is totally effable, isn't it? This is 100% explainable. Why? Because this is what matters for us. This is salvation that God sent his son into the world to die for us and rise to give us life. Today, in our epistle reading, St. Paul marvels at the ineffable God. inscrutable, ineffable. St. Paul here is marveling at God's plan that he put into action in creation. The section right before this talks about how the choice of Israel throughout the history of the Old Testament led to a moment where not just Israel, but the whole world would be saved, that the Gentiles would come into Christ. And he's marveling because who could have thought of this back when God first spoke to Abraham? When God said, I will make your name great and turn you into this huge family, your children will be like the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky, who could have thought, said, you know what's going to happen? God is going to send his one and only son, God and man, into the earth and make Gentiles, people who aren't related to Abraham, Abraham's family. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that crazy? Who could have stood by Moses when he was up on the, ten, on the Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and said, these, these are going to go away for a new covenant, not just with Israel, but with the whole world? Who could have stood next to David when God said, I will make you king forever and your offspring will on, be on the throne and said, yeah, this king is going to sit on the throne of heaven not in the nation of Israel. And they would reign forever in reality as God and man. Nobody could have predicted that. Nobody could have known it until it happened. And then Paul looks back and goes, well, that makes sense. And all of a sudden, the amazing plan of God becomes revealed. What was inscrutable before, ineffable before, is now totally effable, totally explainable. The work of God in salvation is the explainable, the wonderful, the revelation of God that he gives to you and to me. Now, I think Christians throughout our history have really liked to try to switch the two. The effable for the ineffable. We really like to peer into the mystery of God, try to understand that, and neglect what God clearly reveals about Himself. How have we done that? Let's take peering into God's plan. You've probably heard that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Ever heard Christians say that? Do you know what they mean? Generally what it means is that God has set forward some sort of plan that is just going to be great and you're going to enjoy it and it'll fulfill you and it'll be wonderful and all you have to do is figure out what it is to follow along. If you start to stray from the plan, life's not going to get very good but as long as you follow his set path, it's going to be awesome. And you know how that works, of course, is you have to try to find the signs. You have to dive deep into God's counsels and see in his mind and guess what he wants. This can happen in, uh, you can see it in marriages. If God has chosen one person for you and he's supposed to fulfill you and he doesn't and you argue and it's not easy, maybe the one is still out there. Is that how it works? Of course not. It's trying to peer into God's plan, dive through his mind, and see if you know what, he's, what he wants. None of us can do that. We can't peer into God's ineffable plan. But we do have a plan that the Father has for us, one that is revealed fully to us, And Jesus says it in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God does have a wonderful plan for you, and it does not always include happiness. It may not include joy and fun, but it does include Jesus. You don't have to guess You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to watch for the signs. It's just the Father sent the Son to die on the cross, rise from the dead, and they send the Holy Spirit to give you faith and receive eternal life. It's totally effable, isn't it? We like to peer into God's plan for the world and, and recreate God after ourselves. One of the ways we do that is we ask the question, how in the world could God treat good and nice people, how can good nice people go to hell? Several months ago, there was a video with Pope Francis and uh, a bunch of kids were asking him questions and one little boy was, was really upset and he said, you know, my, my father, he's a non-believer. Um, what's going to happen to him now that he's dead? And, and the pope, he, uh, he answers the question. He asks, did he get you baptized? And the boy goes, yeah. Did he, did he bring you to church? And the boy goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he turns to the crowd and says, could God reject this man? And, of course, the crowd goes, no, no. We really would like a God like that, wouldn't we? One who reacts the way we would like him to react. We'd really like a God who would look over sin for that that kid in far off wherever who hasn't heard the gospel, just hasn't had the chance, right? That's not fair, God. That's trying to dive into, into God's ineffable mind And act like we can explain it. But with Jesus, he explains it fully, reveals it easily. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's it, that's how you get life. He says something like that, uh, something else earlier. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Or, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's effable. That's explainable. Because God reveals it through his Son to you. We do it in the church, too. Throughout the history of the church, we've seen people try to deconstruct the way it works. What happens is is we look at the organization of the church, the people who are in it, the the pastors and and the structures, and we go, wow, that can't be spiritual. Look at the guy who's standing up there. Sometimes he's a jerk. How could that be the way God does his thing? Look at how we treat each other. How could that be the way God does his thing? Can you believe that we have to have a a bank account and a checkbook? That's not holy. That's not spiritual. And so they've gone through all sorts of different ways to try to figure things out. The Quakers, they said, oh, we'll just get rid of all that. And we'll gather together in quiet and silence and let the divine light inside us guide us. Because that's what spiritual means, right? Having this thing inside us express the will of God? All sorts of people throughout history have done that. The revivalism movement with Moody and all of the guys like that that still continues today. They said, God's word isn't enough. God's sacraments aren't enough. What we need is emotion and power and excitement or else the church just isn't going to work. And we saw that in, in the kind of the mega-church movement. That we'll, we'll get rid of all that stuff and have a great band, and that's what will work. Back when I was in the seminary, the big movement was something called the Emergent Church. And the way they were doing things is they tried to give you an emotional, more personal connection to God. I remember hearing about a worship service where they had stations that were experiential stations for the Lord's Prayer. And worship was going around between these stations trying to experience each petition. In fact, some of the the leaders tried to deconstruct church so much that they got all the way to Jesus and they said, is this really the way God should be? And left the church. Why? Because they were peering into the mystery. They wanted to make it about something other than how God reveals himself, because when God reveals himself, well, honestly, it's in the regular things. His word baptism, the Lord's Supper. And you know what? That's kind of boring, isn't it? Every single Sunday doing the same thing, eating bread and drinking wine. It's not exciting, isn't it, is it? There are no fireworks, no smoke machines, no laser lights, nothing to get you pumped up about. Sometimes reading God's word is hard, too. You really have to slog through it. You don't understand it. Someone's got to explain it. And you're just like, ugh, can I, can I listen to this again? Or the pastor stands up and you're like, oh, there he goes again. Same thing every week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. The spiritual, the magnificent, the things that we want God to be, that's trying to peer beyond what God has revealed himself to be. To look into the ineffable, the inscrutable, the unexplainable and figure it out on our own. But what God gives us is his real power through these things that don't always seem exciting. These things that might seem even a little regular but it's what he reveals to us that through our sacraments he gives you life through his word he saves you by his grace in these normal regular things we see the power of god and it's not a secret It's not a hidden path. It's not not something that you have to divine and figure out. It's just there. It's totally effable, isn't it? And that's sometimes the hard thing about our faith, is that it's really easy. The ideas behind it are just straightforward. God sends his son to die for you and rise for you, and he calls you to follow him. That's it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaberwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lamb.